Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Ambassadors for Christ. We've been talking about that for a moment through the, the servants of God, the faithful servants of God, the Barlows. But I want to talk about our identity as ambassadors. We're living in a generation and a time and in a nation where there is a serious identity problem. And those who are made in the image and likeness of God are confused about who they are, but not so in the body of Christ. And so I want to speak to you briefly about what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. I want to use some practical examples and talk about an ambassador of a nation of the earth and then an ambassador of the kingdom. There's one thing that ambassadors enjoy. It's called diplomatic immunity. And ambassadors serve on foreign soil. And that's why Peter told us we're pilgrims journeying through this land. Somebody say, we're not from here. We're citizens of a government that the world doesn't know. The government that Jesus says doesn't come by observation. It's in you. When the Pharisees asked him, when is the kingdom coming? He said, the, the kingdom of God doesn't come by observation. It is within you. So God wants to talk to us about what's in us. And then, as ambassadors, what is our responsibility? And what does that mean? What does that mean? Before we go to our text, uh, the earthly definition of an ambassador is a person who is sent as a chief representative for his or her government in another country, a chief representative. In fact, there are some descriptions that say it is the highest ranking official for a president or a prime minister. You know, there are some nations of the earth that have prime ministers and their institutions are called ministries. Have you ever been to a nation where you see a, ministry, a minister of health, minister of education? In the Caribbean nations, that's true. In some European nations, that's true. In Australia, that's true. In Israel, that's true. In Africa, that's true. In December of 2019, I was leaving Ghana and I was in the airport at Accra. And the, the people who hosted me and my brother from another mother, Reverend Bracco, were seeing me off. We were praying and embracing each other. And as I went through, I used to have um, what's called global entry which puts you on a short line, but I let it expire. It's like, 
you should, why did you do that? It, it happens. You get busy, and it happens. But this day, I don't know if the people saw us and the love that we were showing to one another, but when I walked up to the line, they let me go through the ambassador's line. So I had the experience of the treatment that you get as an ambassador. The wait time in minutes was zero. Like I went right through, I was trusted, I didn't have to take the shoes off my feet, <laughs> I didn't have to do any of that stuff that regular folk did because ambassadors have immunity. And wherever an ambassador is on a foreign land, the place that they abide is like their country. If you go to Washington, D.C., you see the embassies of all the nations. I've been in a few because of my responsibility, my past responsibility. And one of the things they tell you before you go into the gate, when you cross the threshold of this gate, you're no longer in the United States of America. You are in the country that's represented. Now the country, it's the U.S., it's Washington, D.C., but because they're ambassadors, they have a jurisdiction. And in that jurisdiction, they rule. You can't touch, if you want to start a war, you mess with an ambassador. That's someone you don't touch. Even in times of war, you leave the embassy. Everything else could be bombed, but you don't touch that because the nation is coming after you. We are ambassadors of Christ. The biblical definition, you got the earthly definition? Pretty important, right? But here's the earthly, that's the earthly. The biblical definition is an ambassador is an official representative of a king or government. I'm official. You're official. You are official. You represent, that's why it's called ambassador of Christ. You represent him. And an ambassador does not represent themselves. The value of the nation. An ambassador of the United States, no matter where they are in the world, they espouse the values of the United States. They don't get entangled with things that are contrary to the values of the nation they represent. Same for Russia, same for whatever nation. What we need to understand is that as ambassadors of Christ, we don't represent ourselves. We represent more than our families. You know, one of the best um, compliments one could get is, boy, you're a credit to your family. When somebody in the neighborhood says to you, you are a credit to your family, that means you're carrying yourself well. You're upholding. We want to be a credit to the king who we represent. We want to be a credit to him so that when people see us, they know the values of the kingdom just because we showed up. Before we get into the text, I want to say something about jurisdiction. You know, uh, a week and a half ago, I went to North Carolina for a funeral. And during the funeral, 
there was a prophet who was um, presiding over it. And he told a story about my loved one. Her and her husband planted a church in North Carolina. Her husband died. And as the matriarch, she inherited the work. And he came to their church and he delivered a prophetic word. And he was feeling good. I'm sure spiritually he was popping his suspenders. He was feeling good. And she came over to him and she said, and she has a gentle voice. She said, that was a great word. I want you to know that was a good word. You bless the people of God. But there's something you should know. This is my jurisdiction. This is my jurisdiction. So what she was saying is, I have the right to overrule, overturn anything that's said in this place because this is my jurisdiction. An ambassador has a jurisdiction. I'm going to read the text, and then I'm going to give you a practical, real-world example. And then we're going to talk about three things that an ambassador should and must do. Are you with me? This won't take long. Good. We track, and that's good. That's like an amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Now then, why is Paul saying now then? That means he had emphasized a point that was important and now he's connecting it. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. There are ambassadors for Australia, they're ambassadors for the United States. They're ambassadors for South Africa. They're ambassadors for Kenya. But now then, we are, somebody say it, as though God were pleading through us. See, uh, an ambassador, you remember that they are messengers. They are representatives that God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Who's Paul's audience here? The church at Corinth, who was very spiritual, but also very carnal. Very spiritual, but also carnal. Ambassadors represent their nation. And in representing the nation, it's foreign and domestic enemies. Like anyone who wants to become a citizen has to take a vow. They must take a vow. For those of you who've had gotten citizenship in the US, you know what that's like, right? For those of us who were born in it, we don't know. We don't know. It's kind of like you go to another country and you see all the sights. And you talk to someone who lives there, they've never seen it. Or someone from another country comes to the U.S. and I talk to them, they tell me about every national park that exists. And I've only seen them in a book. 
because there are things that you take for granted when you're in it. And God doesn't want us to take our ambassadorship for granted. Somebody say amen. amen. So there are three things that ambassadors must do. Here's the first one. Put the first one up. As ambassadors of the kingdom, we represent Christ the King. That means my interest becomes secondary. My personality ought to decrease because what I want to reflect is the king, the one I represent. I want you to know that I'm backed by the full faith and confidence of my king. And people know that when you carry yourself right. You know, there are some people who are lawbreakers. I'm going to go a little, a step below an ambassador. A law, they're lawbreakers. And the, the law enforcement shows up and they still don't want to act right. But the law enforcement has a badge. They still want to act up. But on their hip, they have a Glock. That Glock will cause you to behave differently <laughs> because there's some backing and enforcement. Ambassadors have the enforcement of the king. Ambassadors of the king, the kingdom. The full enforcement of the king. I have a dear friend who called me last week. I hadn't heard from him for a while. Nothing happens in our lives as happenstance. If you know that's right, say amen. amen. And as we were talking, he promised he's going to come and see me. And when he comes, I'm going to introduce you to him and his wife. But he was telling me a story about when we worked together in a corporate environment. And this is an ambassador. Here's an example of an ambassador. He would, everybody on his team that he was responsible for, and he had maybe 70 people, he talked to Jesus about them. That's not kosher in the workplace. He said, Bob, I used to get written up all the time. I was like, really? I didn't know that? He said, yep, but I didn't do it. He had this golden voice. He, his church at the time, he was in Atlanta, he went to Charles Stanley's church. And they knew he had a beautiful voice. And we would have these big national meetings with thousands of people. And they would say, he has a great voice. Why don't you sing? He said, you know, I only sing for the Lord. If you want me to sing, I ain't singing no mess. Those are his words. He's a country boy who loves Jesus. And he would get up at the meeting and sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And I would see people who were half drunk, some full drunk, weeping because the anointing would fill the room. He was authentic. He was an ambassador. And the company didn't like that he was always talking about Jesus. But to me, he was like Peter, James, and John, who when confronted by the Sanhedrin, who were the senators of their day in the first century, 
told them, don't preach in his name anymore. Don't teach in his name. They looked at him calmly and say, sirs, judge for yourself. Who ought we obey, God or men? And they beat them and let them go. And when they went to their own and told them what happened, the Spirit of God caused the foundation of the place they were in to shake. They were, the company did everything they could to fire this brother. And what I learned, what he reminded me of, is that when you are an ambassador, the king backs you up. And everything they meant for evil, God meant for good. I promise you this is a true story. They would change and realign his region. He was over a whole region. And every year, his region was first. So they had to give him big bonuses. They didn't like his Jesus talk. But they got, so you know what they would do? Every year for seven years straight, they realigned it. Gave him stuff that other people were failing in. End of the year, guess what happened? Number one. They realigned them again. We know we got them now. Number one. They never, ever gave him the highest rating. There were people who performed far less and they rated them higher because they bowed down to idols. But because he held up Jesus, they tried to come after him. They couldn't touch him every year. And I used to rejoice with him every, I'm like, you're number one again, how do you do? There's nobody who seven years in a row does that. He said, it ain't nobody but the Lord. And when he got ready to go, he left on his terms. And he said to me the other day, he said, now I own my own Chick-fil-A. And I make more than I ever made in corporate, ever. He said, and now nobody can tell me what to say. He said, I, all of my staff hear about Jesus. He, he did that in California. You know Chick-fil-A doesn't open on Sunday. He would go pick them up and take them to church. Every week, every single week, he's now in Florida. He said, I, I think it was a week ago, 12 got baptized. Not only does he witness to them, I said, where you baptize him, in the ocean? He said, no, I take him to church. Here's what he said, see, ambassadors represent the king. One of the 12 was there, wasn't supposed to get baptized. They just came out of curiosity. They saw it and they said, Mr. Neal, I want to get baptized too. He said, you can't just get baptized. Baptism is just a public expression of an inward work. You got to give your life to Jesus first. And he said, I led her down the Roman road and she got baptized. You go in his Chick-fil-A, everybody's saved. The customer's gonna hear about Jesus. God put him in a situation where he could be free and do what he does. He took him through all those years until he was found faithful. And I believe God said to him, just as he said to Abraham, now I know, now I know that you trust God. And I know you're gonna command your house 
You can't be in his house and not be saved. I don't know how you're going to eat. <laughs> but that's, ambassadors are consistent and they represent the king even if it puts themselves at risk. They couldn't fire him because how do you justify firing someone who's number one? He wouldn't need the Chick-fil-A. He would have many millions. But he reminded me of the goodness of God. So I just want to say to you ambassadors, wherever your feet step, that's your jurisdiction. You have diplomatic immunity. You have diplomatic immunity. God will back you up. So the first thing that an ambassador must do is represent, we represent the kingdom and Christ is the king. The second thing that we do is that we, God pleads through us to the unreconciled to be reconciled. The unreconciled to be reconciled. This one, I don't want to go as deep as I'd like because I want to, I want to go deeper on the third one. But unreconciled, unreconciled, that's not the same as being unchurched. You could be unchurched and unreconciled, but you can be churched and unreconciled because Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, the church with the most gifts in the first century but they were also the most carnal. That's a contradiction. That's a contradiction. Do you, what are the chances that the world, the world will respond to my ministry of reconciliation and to the word of reconciliation that's given to me if like my brother who said, I only use my voice for the Lord, I was with them and I'm drunk. I'm drunk like they're drunk, and I'm saying to them, you need to give your life to the Lord. They're going to say, you look like you need to give your life to the Lord. I'm not condemning anybody who gets drunk. What I'm saying is, be reconciled unto God. Because we're living in a time that we must be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Noah was a man who obeyed God's every word. He was so faithful that for 120 years, he told the people it was going to rain. He never wavered. They called him crazy. He stuck to that message until God shut the door himself. And you know why God shut the door? Because he knew he had cousins and uncles and family members that you're going to have mercy. And he said, I gave them 120 years to respond, and they didn't, and God shut the door. But when the water settled after 40 days and 40 nights, this faithful man got drunk. And his son uncovered his father's nakedness. 
and it caused something to enter into his generational line. That's why the word says, be sober, be vigilant, because even the faithful can slip up. So why do ambassadors plead with reconciled and unreconciled? Because part of our responsibility as ambassadors is to keep each other in line and be accountable one to another. If you see me, my steps sliding, you ought to say something if you love me. If I see your steps sliding, it's not to embarrass you. It's not to do anything other than to say, be reconciled to God. We have to be, here's what God told me early this morning. Early this morning, sometimes when I just want to sleep, God won't stop talking. And who goes to sleep on God? Who goes to sleep on God? I'm not. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Janine said the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Y'all leave Peter and my dudes alone. <laughs> but he said, where there is love, forgiveness, and repentance, there is, people are cleansed. There is a cleansing where there is love, forgiveness, and repentance. If we walk in those things, we will never be barren or unfruitful. We will never fall away. Because when someone does you wrong, you'll forgive them. When you do wrong, you'll repent. And love covers. It doesn't uncover. It doesn't uncover. Here's what else God said when he wouldn't let me sleep. But it's good. It's sweet. I love it. Lord, you can do it anytime. I'm not tired. I might take a nap later, but I'm good right now. He said to me, you know, and it was important that I hear this because sometimes I fret over things. Is it all right if we just talk? I just want to talk. He said, the people who most often point out problems are the problem. He said, the people who most often point out problems are the problem. And I paused. I paused. And he said, people, because people who walk in love, repentance, and forgiveness, they come with solutions. They come because they can discern if someone needs repentance, if someone needs forgiveness, or someone needs to give forgiveness, or if someone needs love. It's, and I was like, wow, that explains so much. I had heartburn for all these years, and it just took one simple word in the night season from God to help me personally understand. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the problem. I want to be the solution.
So I want to love even my enemies. And even those who I know are plotting against me, I want to like really love them, not have fake love. I want to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Like genuinely forgive them so they can experience forgiveness. And I want to repent if I ever thought, sick them, Jesus. Fix them, Jesus. Fix them. Because then I'm making them an enemy. And there's only one response to our enemies, to love them. To love them. Are you with me? I don't want to be the problem. Brandon, I want to be the solution. Lord, I don't want to complain. I want to pray. I don't want to find fault. I want to bring correction. What does that have to do with ambassadors? As ambassadors, we represent the king, and that's what the king does at all times. Even when they were killing him, he said, Father, forgive them. Stephen was an ambassador like him. Not only did they stone him, but before they stoned him, the Bible said they gnashed on him with their teeth. That means they were biting him. He had human bite wounds. And then they stoned him. But as he looked up, he said, I see Jesus standing on the right hand of God. I want you to know there's something about, the Bible says that Jesus was a, like other priests, when they were ministering in the temple, they had to stand. There wasn't even a seat in there. They stood, even the high priest. But Jesus, when he went to heaven, he sat down. But when Stephen was in trouble, he stood up. I want every ambassador to know that Jesus is standing for you. When you're in trouble, he stands up. The only priest who's allowed to sit down will stand up when we're in trouble. And because I know he stands up, I can stand. I can stand. While some people are trusting in politicians, some leaning left, some leaning right, I'm going to stand. Because the Bible says, stand therefore. And after you having done all, what do you do? Stand. I don't care what you're going through. I want to encourage you to stand. And the Bible goes on in Galatians to say, stand fast. That means stand sure. Stand with assurance in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The devil wants us to be entangled in bondage. But we're going to stand fast. We're going to stand firm. We're going to stand assured in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free because we're ambassadors of Christ. We're free. The people who have a bondage mindset find it hard to forgive because they blame everybody for their situation. Whose are you? To whom do you belong? 
Who's, if you are an ambassador of the king, the government is responsible for you. You're employed by that government. And we're ambassadors of Christ. And if Christ has me, who can be against me? Bring it. Bring it. You don't want this. You can't handle this. You want a piece of this? Jesus is king. How long is he king? He reigns forever and evermore. We are ambassadors of Christ. We ought to have confidence, but we have responsibility. I want to spend a little more time on this last one. Jesus, I'm four minutes over. All right, I have a request. Turn that clock off. I'm going to be quick, though. Y'all can trust me. Turn it off, because when I see red numbers, it is bad. No, you know why? You know when you were in grade school, you get a bad grade, what color was it in? Don't ask me how I know. We talking about ambassadors for Christ. Mind your business. <laughs> it might have happened once or twice, but it sticks. That's what trauma does. It sticks around. I, have, I turned that off because I have a timekeeper right in front. So I'm not going rogue. Here's the third thing. Put the third one up. Ambassadors of Christ must be committed. I want to show you a real world and then I want to show you what's written. Come on, say with me. As an ambassador, I must be committed. Run the video real quick. It's my brother from another mother. I was sitting right next to a baby. All allegiance and fidelity, All allegiance and fidelity. to any foreign prince. Raise your right hand. Okay, turn it off. Turn it off. Because let me, let me tell you the point. So I was with my brother from another mother. He gave me permission to show this when he became a U.S. citizen. Yeah, and he 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 called me, and the first thing I thought. And as you can hear, people have their children, all their family there. I'm like, there's no way you're going to be there without somebody. Tell me where it is, and I'm coming. Ambassadors are committed to one another because we're committed to Christ. And so I listened to them take an oath. And as in becoming a citizen of this country, they had to promise, raise their hand, and swear an oath, and promise to defend the, the Constitution. I thought that was only for military, against foreign and domestic enemies. That they had to avail themselves, and it comes with a price. 
Because afterwards, me and my brother from another mother went to celebrate and we broke bread and he told me the price and the time commitment. You must be in this country, if you're a dual citizen, you gotta be here at least six months. And you have to prove it over a long period of time in order to be eligible. How much more are we commit to a government that doesn't pass away? I'm talking about the government that rests on his shoulders. And the increase shall have no end. But his family was so grateful because they didn't know I was going to show up. So he called his daughter, Frida, and she was giddy. He said, oh, I appreciate you so much. None of us could be there. I didn't want him to be alone. You are family. I was, like, I was already family, I thought. That's why I'm here. His wife from Ghana was so grateful because they were worried that he would be the only one sitting in that room. And you see all those people. They have family members. We do life together. We'll never leave another ambassador on their own. Jesus always sent out two by two. And so when I, and I kept it to myself because it's for him to tell, not me. But I asked his permission because I was moved a week ago when I heard about all the things that were going on in Israel. And I knew he had been, he was there. And I text him frantically, my brother, my brother, are you okay? He said, I'm okay, I got out just in time. God knows how to deliver the righteous. I am so grateful to God to have had the opportunity as a citizen born here to experience this firsthand, to understand what, it, what citizenship means and the loyalty that's expected from an earthly nation. And then look at what is required in the kingdom of God and what is expected. I've been in the halls of Congress. I have people who I know in Congress who have great influence. One, as an example, and I'm, I'm making a point with this, I'm not just talking about myself, I'm talking about what I know from experience. When I decided to come into ministry full time after meeting with Bishop and Pastor Hyacinth, my wife and I, and I made it known that I was leaving, a person at the company that I was leading told a person in Congress, they jumped out of their seat, this is true, it's on the record, they ran to C-SPAN and talked about my contributions on that day. It's in the Library of Congress, Bob Oliver, what? Do you know where I'm from? Do you know the chances of that happening? Slim and none. Do you know what it means to be a high risk student or young person 
where there's almost nothing, but God can do anything. God can do anything. And in the course of that responsibility, I was invited to meet with diplomats and to be in places where they wine and dine you so good. Like I understand how some of these nations can seduce you and get information out of you. They make you feel so important that you start, you think more of yourself than you ought to. This one place I was in, Brandy, I promise you this is true. They had cathedral, beautiful pictures, like expensive artwork all over of all of the cathedrals that were in their country. And I'm like, I know y'all are ungodly. And I started to think. They knew that I was coming. And at that time, I had a, a title and influence. And they wanted something. They were promising me all this stuff. And I realized that if the next person that comes in, whatever their interest is, if their interest is hip hop, they're gonna have Jay-Z all around. But while you're in it, you can be taken in. That's how the enemy is, he's seductive. He makes it feel like it's about you. But as ambassadors of Christ, we have to know it's about him. You can't bribe me, you can't seduce me. That's when he, this morning when he said, it's not about you, I turned off the mic and went down because I didn't want to risk going against him. You can't hear me if I turn off the mic. And I went down and I spoke to Pastor O and Janine and said, y'all go up. Here's the point. An ambassador must be committed. So what does that mean in the kingdom? There are more than 600 unnamed women in the Bible. I'm going somewhere with this. You want to go with me? Okay. And there are 137 women who are named in the Bible. 137 named, but there are more who are unnamed. But the unnamed women we still know about, like the widow at Nain, Jesus raised her son from the dead. We don't know her name. The widow who brought her might. We don't know her name, but she brought the might. And Jesus talked about her. Here's the point. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be a big name for Jesus to know who you are. There was a woman at the well. I don't know her name, but I know she said, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Is this not the Christ? And Jesus stayed there two days and the whole city was evangelized by this woman that no one paid attention to. I know there's a widow at Zarephath. I don't know her name, but I know Jesus had some oil for that widow that never ran out. You get the point? I know there was a woman who was caught in adultery. I don't know her name, but I know Jesus rebuked the religious establishment for her sake. It's not about a name. Do you know, does Jesus know you? 
Does he know who you are? And do you know him? I wish somebody would get this. So don't worry about your name. Worry about his name. I don't want you to know my name. I come to introduce his name because he alone can save. I can't save you, but I know somebody who can save anybody. I know him. But Jesus said something that is chilling that you would miss if you weren't paying attention. You would miss this if you were not paying attention. You don't have to turn to it, but I want to let you know the verse. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verse 32, it's a short verse. It only has three words in it. Three words. And those three words are, remember Lot's wife. All the women in the Bible, named and unnamed, powerful women. He doesn't say remember Deborah, remember Esther, remember Ruth. None of those. Remember Lot's wife. I need to sit down and talk to y'all. We need a fireside chat. Let me sit on this side before y'all say, he always sitting on that side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me balance it. We need a balanced weight. So what does that have to do with ambassadors? Jesus one day, Mambalo, was talking to the Pharisees. They asked him a question about the kingdom. And he said to them very briefly, the kingdom doesn't come by observation. That's in the same 17th chapter of Luke, but it's within you. And then the Bible says, then he turned to his disciples, those that he were anointing as ambassadors of Christ, as messengers who were gonna be sent Apostle means one who is sent. An ambassador is one who is sent and who is a messenger of the one they represent. He's talking to them about the kingdom. And then he says, remember Lot's wife. Now, to some people in here, you may not know the story of Lot's wife. I want to tell you briefly and if, if you don't know the story, somebody in here can help you. Don't be ashamed. Say, who is Lot? And who is his wife? Well, God sent help to bring her out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God told the angels, his messenger, to give one instruction to Lot and his whole family because Abraham prayed for them and God honored Abraham's prayer and he sent deliverance. He said, don't look back. Two things that you should know about the story. Lot's son-in-laws loved 
Sodom and Gomorrah so much, they didn't even come out. And the things that they, in, that they called pleasure, they knew no more because the city went up in fire. Sin will consume you. Don't play with it. Come out. God was calling them out. And Lot's wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. What does that have to do with ambassadors in the kingdom? Here's how Jesus put it. There was a young man who said to Jesus, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. But let me go and do this. There's one who said, let me bury my father. His dad wasn't even sick. What he was saying is, no, seriously, do a study. What he was saying is, when my, after my father dies, then I'll come. Another one was like, you know what? I got some peeps at home. I'm kind of responsible for them. I need to take care of them. After that, Jesus said this. Whoever, anyone who puts their hand to the gospel plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Remember Lot's wife. God told me to tell every ambassador, remember Lot's wife. What's behind you can't compare to what's in front of you. And see, the gospel plow, when people were plowing, Jesus knew that his audience would get that. Can I take two more minutes to make sure we get it? They had, I meant to bring my plumb line. I have a plumb line. And they used the plumb line to make certain that when they plowed the oxen, it went straight. Because if you look back, the oxen is a beast of burden. They're going to do it crooked, crooked. Jesus said the gospel is like that, Elder Ardelia. You got to keep focused. You got to stay straight. That's what he means when he says, take my yoke upon you. He's giving the picture of two oxen yoked together. They have to pull in the same direction because if they're going in different directions, it's going to be a crooked place. God said, tell my ambassadors, in order for you to lead people into that place that's straight and that gate that's narrow, you got to keep your hand to the plow. You can't look back. Remember Lot's wife. An ambassador must be committed. You saw those in the United States coming to, the, to this nation. They had to raise their right hand and give an oath. If they, what if they refused to give that oath? Citizenship denied. Citizenship denied. In the kingdom of heaven, it's on, the, it's on the honor system. But here's what the Lord is saying. The foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows those that are his. He knows those that are here. And I, I loved it when he spoke that to me because a seal. See, we are official. We're certified. And we are sealed 
with the Holy Spirit of promise until the inheritance. That's how you know you have an inheritance. An ambassador is also an executor of their eternal estate. Because the Bible says we're sealed with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of promise. That's how I know I have an inheritance. And my inheritance is among those who are sanctified. The Bible says that it's written. Those who are set apart. God tried to set Lot's wife apart, but she chose to look back. I want to tell you, ambassadors, don't look back. There's nothing back there but trouble. He brought you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Let's go on. March on, Christian soldiers. March on unto war. Get the plumb line in your, in your, in your hand and keep it straight. God said he'll make every crooked place straight. He'll make the rough places smooth. He'll bring down every mountain. He'll exalt every valley so that the ground you're walking on is level. It'll be level. God wants us to level up. He's going to level the ground. Are you ready to level up? Where's my little homies? I want to talk to my little homies. They're not here. But God, stand to your feet. God wants us to know who we are in him. What it means to be an ambassador. That God is pleading with the world through us to be reconciled. And anyone, according to the Lord himself, who puts their hand to the plow and looks back, is not fit for the kingdom. Father, I pray in accordance to your word that in a great house there are many vessels vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor but God you say the remedy for both is that in these earthen vessels there would be heavenly treasures so that the excellency would be of you and not of us fill us today with heaven's treasures that we might embrace the true riches so we can impart the true riches. God, lead us in the way that we should go. We lift our hands in your presence and we promise to follow where you lead us. God, let the plumb line from heaven cause us to be yoked up with you and to go on that way that's straight and that is narrow, that only few shall find. God, we believe you when you say you were in Christ reconciling the world unto yourself. Thank you for the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you for the word of reconciliation. God, reconcile the world unto yourself through these, your vessels. Perfect those things 
that concern us, oh God. Help us to be quick to forgive, quicker to repent, and instant in love. May love, forgiveness, and repentance be our portion and be our lot from this time forth and even forevermore. Every eye, clo every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're in here today and you know Jesus has been speaking to your heart and you want to respond, raise your hand. You can represent him today, but you first must come to him. Lift your hand if you want to respond to Jesus. I see your hand. I see your hand. Are there others? I sense there are others. Don't be ashamed. Everybody's eyes closed. Only I will see it. Lift your hands. Raise your hand if you want Jesus. He's calling you today. Zion is calling us to a higher place of praise. To the person who raised their hand after the service, I want you to come up and there'll be some people who will minister to you. Five more seconds. Five, four, three, it's not too late, two, one. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your salvation. You are the savior of the world. And now be Lord of all. Be Lord of everyone in this place. Savior is the first step. Lord requires obedience. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I say? Lord is that act of submission. Teach us. Help us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.